Welcome to the Marriage by the Book podcast. Whether you have a great marriage or one that needs improvement, this is the show for you. Since 1994, we've used biblical principles to help hundreds of couples, just like you, find relationship success. As you listen, you'll get practical tips, knowledge, and motivation that will help bring greater intimacy and happiness to your marriage so that you can enjoy the relationship you've dreamed of. And now, this is Marriage by the Book. I hope your marriage is awesome. I hope it's great and that you are just absolutely enjoying life with your spouse today. But I want to tell you that even if a marriage is great, it can always be better. And maybe you're thinking, you know what? My marriage isn't so great. It's, it's, it's not. You're not describing me. Well, I want to tell you, too, that no matter where your marriage is, whether it's great or not, or maybe it's even, you might say it's bad, the Bible has got the answers to completely turn your marriage around. God did it for Rebecca and I through the Bible, through the, 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 the instructions for relationships that are there. And that's what this podcast is about. We're bringing this to you to uh, give you keys to a happy marriage that you can apply to your life and make a real difference right away. Welcome to episode six of the Marriage by the Book podcast. Today, I want to talk about uh, opposites attract until they don't. I'm going to talk about dealing with differences in marriage, okay? Have you ever thought about when you first met your spouse? I'm sure you have. It can seem like you have so much in common and that you're alike in every way. Um, And even where you might be different, you just like everything about the other person. It's like you're in the the courtship phase of things. You know, their quirks, their differences are actually enticing. So it's amazing. We'll even change ourselves to be like them and to do what they like. You know, guys will do things like watch romantic movies or Disney movies, you know, and girls will do things like maybe help him work on his car or play video games. And I know that's a little bit stereotypical, but you get my point. You know, I know one of our sons, and we have four children, two boys and two girls. They're all grown now. But one of them, growing up, believe it or not, he didn't like pizza. That's interesting, isn't it? But anyway, uh, he didn't like pizza, and he, he just wouldn't eat it So uh, until... He got up into high school and he met a girl he liked. It was like early in high school, ninth or tenth grade or something. He met this girl she li- he liked, <clears throat> and uh, she liked pizza. So guess what? Suddenly he liked pizza, and it became one of his favorite foods. Um, but you know, people can be different and still get along phenomenally well. It's amazing. You know, you can have an introvert and an extrovert, and they can just get along great. You can have one who maybe is like a planner and just likes to think things through, and the other one who's very spontaneous. And that'll actually even be attractive, you know. You can have one person who likes rock music, that style of music, and another who likes country, one who likes Coke or soft drinks, and one who likes tea. Just all these differences. You can have one who likes the city, and one who likes the country, one who likes the beach, and one who likes the mountains. There can be differences in color preferences, um, fashion, even the type of toothpaste you use. I know Rebecca and I, early on in our marriage, and still today, really, she preferred Colgate toothpaste, and I preferred Crest. And we actually got into arguments about that early on. Our marriage was a, a mess the first couple of years or so, and we would fight about just the smallest things. It was just ridiculous. We fought about big things, too. But anyway, but it's amazing how, before marriage, all these differences are enjoyed and embraced, okay? Okay. 
Then you get married and life happens, you know, jobs and careers and kids and bills and whatever. And it's like those things suddenly start to annoy you. There's like a, a shift in expectations and focus. You know, I once heard someone say, and I think this is a really interesting thought. And I think it's a good point. I heard someone say one time that for men, marriage is an end. It's like, okay, that's done. What's next? And their focus shifts to what's next. For women, marriage is like a beginning. The wedding's over, and now the focus goes to, you know, we're, we're going to, we're just getting started, and we get to be about each other for the rest of our lives. That's a big difference right there in expectations, in the perspective, okay, and in the attitude to what's coming next. And we really need to focus early on in marriage or wherever you are right now. If you're not early on in marriage, wherever you are, we really need to focus on how to handle the areas in which we are different because people are different, okay? I'm going to say this, and I'll say it a few more times. But different doesn't mean wrong. Sometimes people think if you're different than me, if, if you like this and I don't like that, if I, I like something different, like let's just take, for example, the Crest and the Colgate toothpaste, okay? If, if somebody likes Colgate toothpaste, that's not wrong. That's just different, okay? So, but there's a scripture I want to read you. And this is interesting. This is from Deuteronomy 24, 5. It says, when a man has taken a new wife, he shall not go out to war or be charged with any business. He shall be free at home one year and bring happiness to his wife whom he has taken. This shows that we need some dedicated time after marriage to learn how to live together, how to please each other, how to make each other happy. It's not just automatic. We need to learn how to do that. And that's, I believe, why that Old Testament scripture said that that's what you know, men should do. And women, obviously, too, would be at home with their spouse. But we need to learn to live together, to learn to live with our differences, okay? We just saw there in the Old Testament how they took a year off to learn to please their, please their spouse. You know, life happens, and there's a change in expectations after marriage. And suddenly, somehow, all those differences become annoyances. It's not like we intentionally do it, but it seems like sometimes we start to go different ways. And eventually, it, it can even begin to seem like we have nothing in common anymore. And Rebecca and I have done a lot of marriage counseling over the years and had people tell us that, that they have nothing in common anymore. Their differences have just gotten too much attention. So how do you deal with that? What do you do? That's what I want to talk about today. You know, Rebecca and I, we are two very different people. There are some ways that we're alike, but there are some differences too. Some are obvious and some aren't so obvious. You know, we have a lot of differences, a lot of different likes and preferences. For example, Rebecca likes the beach and, and I like the beach as well, but I also like the mountains. Okay. And to me, and there's actually a story behind this. I'll tell the story, then tell you the, the point. Um, years ago, we were living in uh, Northern Atlanta and we had a, a blizzard. Okay. It was it snowed like eight and a half inches. Uh, I may have told this on an earlier podcast, but it, it makes the point here as well. But anyway, it snowed. It snowed. The land doesn't have snow plows. So um, we got snowed in, and, and we were just kind of stuck there for a few days. And uh, after a couple of days of being snowed in, I told Rebecca, hey, I'm going to walk down to this convenience store and see if they're open. Is there anything you want me to get while I'm there? And she says, yeah, I'll get some chocolate. So I walked to the convenience store in the snow. It's, you know, it's a little ways away, quarter of a mile, maybe a little, almost half a mile, something like that. And I walk over there, and I walk in, and there is a bag of Oreos, okay? So I think, huh, chocolate, you know, chocolate cookies with a cream filling, right? 
So I pick up the Oreos, purchase them, bring them home. Rebecca looks at the Oreos and says, that's not chocolate. See, right there is a difference. To me, Oreos are chocolate. To her, they're not. Is one wrong? Now, I will say this. We've kind of taken informal surveys over the years when we're speaking to people and things. And most people will agree with Rebecca that, yeah, that's really not chocolate. But to me, it's chocolate. I don't think that's wrong. It's just different, okay? Um, Neither one is really wrong. So difference really doesn't equal wrong. It just equals different, okay? So imagine this. I'm going to use an illustration here. We use this a lot of times when we're speaking to groups and things. But imagine a bottle filled half with olive oil and half with water, okay? Like a glass bottle is clear. You can see the liquids in there. Now, Oil and water are two different substances. They have things in common, too. You know, they're both liquids. Uh, they both flow, etc. They're both kind of clear. Uh, water's clear. Oil can be kind of clear. But they also have some key differences. And if you put oil and water together, they don't automatically mix. Okay, picture this in your head. What happens is they'll automatically begin to separate because even though they have similarities, they have these differences, Okay. And it takes a little effort to mix them. You just pick up the bottle, give it a shake, and they mix, okay? So if you imagine shaking the bottle, what happens? The, the two mix. You can picture that in your head. It just takes a little effort. So when people get married, they're a lot like this, like the oil and water. They have differences, and it takes some effort for two to become one and stay that way, okay? First Peter 3, 7 tells us to know our spouse, to dwell with them, Uh, It specifically calls out husbands. It says, husbands, um, dwell with your wives according to knowledge. So we need to know our spouse. I think women need to know their husband as well. They need to know, for example, what is chocolate, okay? So you want to know their likes and dislikes. Okay, so Romans 12, 16 in the Amplified Classic Version. Listen to this, okay? This is a, a, we're getting into how do you deal with these differences here. So, Again, Romans 12, 16, Amplified Classic. It says, live in harmony with one another. Okay, so it's telling you to live in harmony, to get along, and then it tells you how to do it. It says, do not be haughty, snobbish, high-minded, or exclusive, but readily adjust yourself to people and things and give yourselves to humble tasks. Never overestimate yourself or be wise in your own conceits. So don't think your way is right. And that anything different is wrong. That's really uh, uh, what that's saying to me here. Different isn't wrong. It's just different. Listen to it again. Don't be haughty, snobbish, high-minded, exclusive, but readily adjust yourself to people and things and give yourself to humble tasks. Never overestimate yourself or be wise in your own conceit. See, your way is not always right. I mean, you may be right, but it doesn't mean that something different is wrong. It's just different. Okay. So there's another verse that tells us how to handle differences, and it's Philippians uh, 2, 3 through 5. Then this is very good as well. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit. So there again, don't assume your way is right, okay? But in humility, count others more significant than yourselves, okay? So what's that mean? That would mean to value them and their likes and dislikes at least as much as your own. Okay, then the scripture goes on and says, let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. So don't just try to get your own way, but give your spouse their way. And then the scripture finishes saying, have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. So, okay, so I want to pull out five 
key points from those scriptures, okay, that, that I believe are, we find there. One is don't assume your way of doing and thinking is right. You know, d- different doesn't equal wrong. It just equals different, okay? So don't assume you're right. Okay, number two is value their likes and dislikes and value the differences. Respect that, okay? Adapt yourself to them, okay? Notice the scripture there doesn't say to demand that others adapt to you. Um, again, it said there is this was from the Amplified Classic Version. It said, but readily adjust yourselves, or you could say adapt, readily adjust yourself to people and things, okay? So we want to adapt ourselves to others. Uh, you know, give them their way. We all want our own way, but really we need to value, we need to put aside selfishness and wanting our way. And we, we need to value unity and harmony in marriage above getting our way. If the marriage wins, that's the win, not me getting my way. I need to ad- adapt or adopt that mindset, really. Um, remember, we've talked about this before, but 1 Corinthians 7, 4 in the message says, marriage isn't a place to stand up for your rights. And that's an awesome thought right there. So the first point was don't assume your way of thinking and doing is right. Value the likes and dislikes that your spouse has. Value the differences. Adapt yourself to them. And do all of this based on the love of God in you. His love will give you the will to do it, and his love never fails. First Corinthians 13 tells us that. So don't try to do this just like a, a, be a martyr and just you know surrender and just be miserable. That's not what God wants. If you do this stuff from, from his love, from a motive of love, it will actually bring joy to you. Okay, and then finally, the fifth point, rediscover. Okay, something attracted you to this person in the past. Something attracted you to your spouse. Think back, reminisce about what it was. Were these differences there then? Probably they were. I mean, when Rebecca and I were in the courtship phase, I liked Crest toothpaste. Oreos were chocolate, but they didn't become an annoyance until after. (laughs) Okay, so the differences were probably there then. And you accepted them then, so why not now? Why not now? What would If you did these things, what would the result be? I can tell you. It will be greater harmony and greater unity. You know, The oil and the water will be one, so to speak. So it's like you're shaking the bottle when you do these kinds of things. So being one, being in unity, it doesn't just happen. It takes effort to get that way, and it takes effort to stay that way. I like Ephesians 4.3. This is from the NLV version. It says, work hard to live together as one by the help of the Holy Spirit. Then there will be peace. There you go. I mean, there it is. It takes effort to be one. It's not just going to be automatic. A lot of times people think, man, if we don't just get along great in our marriage, I've married the wrong person. I've made a mistake. And that's just not true. That is just not true. I'll do an episode at some point here about that. But you haven't made a mistake. It's just going to take some effort, and maybe that part is unexpected. You know, 1 Corinthians 7 talks about how when you marry, you have trouble in the flesh. It's, it's to be expected. You're going to have some issues when two different people become one. And it's going to take some effort to live together as one. God can help you. It's said right there by the help of the Holy Spirit. And it says, then there will be peace. That word peace doesn't mean just the, the absence of fighting. It means there will be unity and harmony and wholeness and happiness. And just it'll just be good is what that word really means. So work hard to live together as one by the help of the Holy Spirit. Then there will be peace. The 
yeah, the effort again makes us one and results in peace or wholeness. Okay, now think about this. It says work hard to live together. I talk about shaking the bottle and making the effort. What happens if you set that bottle of oil and water down? If you stop making the effort, I can tell you what happens. And you know, separation begins. So stay with it. You don't want to stop. All you have to do to have separation in marriage. This this is a sobering thought. All you've got to do to have separation in marriage for that to begin is nothing. That's it. So different isn't wrong. Different is just different. The way you deal with the difference is to adapt yourself. It's great if both adapt, okay? But you can start alone and make a huge difference in your marriage, okay? So shake things up by doing those five things we talked about that I mentioned earlier and see what happens, okay? And that's really all for this topic. But as always, I want to answer a listener question, okay? Now, here's the question. I'm going to read it to you. What do you do if your spouse is logical, calculated, and boring, and you want more from the marriage? Okay, this is just exactly what we've been talking about today. This person is different from their spouse, and it's bothering them. Obviously, the spouse is logical, calculated, and they say boring. Uh, and obviously, the person who asked the question is not. So just reading this question, if the spouse is logical, calculated, and boring, I would guess the other person, the one who sent the question, is more spontaneous and like a spur-of-the-moment kind of person. So my advice would be to do exactly what we talked about earlier. Don't assume your way of doing and thinking is right. You know, different doesn't equal wrong. It just equals different. It isn't wrong. You know, it isn't wrong to be logical or calculating. It's just different. You know, calculating could be taken in a negative connotation. Like <clears throat> it just could have a negative connotation, but it could be positive as well. Someone could be calculating that, you know, um, they consider an investment before they make it or they think about can we really afford to buy this car or whatever. That could be calculating as well. And those are good things, okay? So those aren't wrong. They're just different. And I tell you, I really doubt this person is actually boring. My guess my guess would be is that they're just not spontaneous and spur of the moment. And now, after some amount of time in marriage, that's come to seem boring, okay? And we talked about value their likes and dislikes. That was the second point, value those differences. You know, those characteristics of being logical and calculating were probably attractive to this person at one time. So, you know, why aren't they now? Think about that. Adapt to them. Again, it doesn't say to demand that your spouse adapts to you. Give them their way, okay? First Corinthians 7, 4, in the message, marriage is the place to stand up for your rights. It's a decision to serve the other. And do all this based on the love of God. His love will give you the will to do it, and his love never fails. It's what will see you through. Okay, and then again, think back. Something attracted you to this person in the past. Those differences were probably there then. You embraced them then. You celebrated those differences then. You were good with those differences then. You married them even with those differences there. So what's different now? Is it just is it your attitude toward them? Is it marriage? Is it life? What's going on causing you to not value those? Now, again, I mentioned this earlier, but I want to say it again. I'm not just saying to put up with the differences and be miserable, just be a martyr, so to speak. No, I'm saying that through God's kind of love, you can serve your spouse in this area and bring greater security and unity into your, into your marriage, and you will enjoy that. There's actually joy in serving. There's joy in loving. You will have that if you do this. So that's really it for today, and my prayer for you 
is that you will take what you've heard and act on it. Because as James 1 says, it's the doers of the work who are blessed in what they do. And that as you do, as you do this, everything's going to work out for your good and for the good of your marriage and for God's glory in Jesus' name. Hey, I want to encourage you, visit our website, marriagebythebook.org. There are some free resources there for you. Um, we've got some MP3 series there available for download, some links to our book on Amazon. So check that out. And in the meantime, have a great week. Thanks very much. We hope you enjoyed today's Marriage by the Book podcast. Make sure to like, rate, and review, and hit the subscribe button. For additional resources or to go deeper, visit marriagebythebook.org. See you next time.